Yeah. Welcome, Northview. It's so good to have you here today. Thank you for giving us a part of your weekend. For those of you that are our guests, Northview is one church in several locations. If you don't have a church home, we'd be honored to have you come and be a part of all that God is doing. Man, you talk about a summer spectacular. We have such a great lineup of speakers for you this summer. You will want to cancel all of your vacation plans to be here. Okay, just kidding about that. You may not want to cancel your vacation plans. But seriously, as much as you can possibly be here, you'll want to be here. We've got some great, great speakers lined up. I'm so excited to hear them speak. And we kick it all off on June the 6th and the 7th with Frank Reich, the head coach, the head coach of the Colts, is going to be with us. Now, many of you saw just one year ago, I interviewed Frank in his home, and it was an incredible story that he shared with us. If you haven't seen it, maybe you can go back and watch that, but it was an incredible, incredible story. What I found when I was with Frank is that he's just such a humble guy. He really, he's the real deal, guys. But what a lot of people don't know is that before he was in football, before he was a coach in football, he was actually a pastor. He was the president of a Bible college, and he was actually a pastor. So this time, it's not going to be an interview. This time, Frank is going to preach. He's going to teach. And so you will want to be here. And guys, listen to me. This is an incredible opportunity for you to invite your friends. I mean, who doesn't know who Coach Frank Reich is. So invite your neighbors, invite your coworkers to come and be with us on that June 6th, 7th weekend. Well, I'm anxious to jump into this today, so let me pray, and we are going to get started. Father, I just, uh, I thank you and I praise you for your faithfulness, God. You're an amazing God. I thank you, Lord, for the, the many ways that you've been blessing our church, but we're thankful, God, for all the different ways that you've been blessing churches all throughout our community. And I pray, dear God, that not only will you continue to bless our church, but I pray specifically today for East 91st Christian Church. What an incredible congregation they are, God. Would you just bless and use them? And God, I pray for their pastor, Rick Grover. I'm so thankful for his friendship, and pray, God, we could link arms together to make a difference throughout central Indiana. Thanks, God. Be with us now as we get into this message, and I pray that you would use it to challenge us and just to stir our hearts. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, guys, I grew up in a middle-class home with parents that absolutely loved me. And yet I had a father with a lot of unresolved anger. I never quite knew when he was going to blow or what might set him off. It could be anything, seriously. It, it, it could be a teenager driving too fast up the road, and he'd run out of the house screaming and shouting at them. It could, be, it could be that I had the television too loud when he was trying to sleep at night, and so he came out yelling. Whatever it was, when it happened, things got loud and explosives began to flow. These outbursts of anger created a lot of different emotions in me as a child. Anything from, from fear to embarrassment to making me angry over my dad's anger. On one occasion, for instance, when I was about 11, we were in a car going somewhere. I don't know where we were going, but we were coming up towards a stop sign, and he was looking off at something, and he rear-ended the car in front of us. And immediately, he turned to me and started screaming and yelling at me as if it were my fault. Guys, something had obviously happened in my father's life before he got in the car that day. And I don't mean minutes or hours before, I literally mean years before, some injustice in his life that was totally unrelated to that fender bender. 
some hurt or some offense that was never resolved. And so it left him responding to every perceived injustice with anger. And after a while, the anger became so much a part of his life that he didn't even notice the damage it was doing to those that he loved. Now, now fortunately for me, the story ends on a much happier note. In my teenage years, my dad discovered a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it radically changed his life. I mean, from that time on, he went out of his way to make sure that I knew that he was proud of me and to make sure that, he, that I knew that he loved me. God became a priority in his life. I mean, so much so he got involved with just about everything, anything at the church, started a bus ministry at that time, which was popular in those days, and he started a 24-hour prayer chapel, and he started our first children's ministry. I mean, he just wanted to serve God. And yet, I'm not telling you that he never got angry again, because like all of us, there were things that upset him. But I do believe, the point that I'm trying to make is that I do believe that he broke that habit of responding to every difficult thing in his life with anger. So we're, we're talking about us being, in this series, we're talking about us being creatures of habit and how these habits hold you back from God's best. And it's all based on my new book that was just released actually this week by the same title. And as I did research for this book, I found that most of us greatly underestimate the power of habits in our life. I certainly did. I had no idea that the scripture talked so much about it. I had no idea that it really played such a big role in our life. In fact, uh, psychologists and others have done surveys, and they have said that over 40% of all the things that we do every single day are done out of habit. Let me say that to you again, that 40% of the things that we do each and every day are done out of habit. I mean, that is almost half of everything that happens, happens from habit. What is a habit? Well, a habit is a, a simple choice we make. And then when we repeat that choice the next day and the next day, and when we repeat it enough times, it then becomes an unconscious pattern. I don't want you to forget that definition. It becomes an unconscious pattern. Or in other words, it becomes second nature. We don't even give it a thought anymore. It's just, we just do it naturally. And those habits become our identity. In other words, we become known for our habits. Good or bad, we become known for our habits. Let's say, for instance, that um, you were going to describe me to someone else. And let's say, that I'm an honest person, a person of integrity, and yet at the same time, maybe I complain a lot. Well, when you go describe me to someone else, you're gonna say, well, you know, he's, he is as honest as you'll ever find. You can trust him completely and totally. He is a bit of a complainer, but he's an honest guy. See, you've just described me by my habits. And that, my friends, is why it's so important that we establish good habits in our life. Okay, you say, well, Steve, so how in the world do I know whether it's a good habit or a bad habit? Well, guys, actually, that's a great question because our brain can't delineate between the two. It doesn't know the difference between a good habit or a bad habit. And so uh, we have to establish what we want. We have to establish what we feel like are good habits. Good habits are what? Good habits reinforce your desire to be like Jesus. Good habits reinforce your desire to be Christ-like. In scripture, those are called spiritual disciplines. 
Spiritual disciplines, those are the things that, that help us uh, to become like Christ. They become stepping stones in our life, helping us to develop the character and nature of Christ. Bad habits, on the other hand, conflict with Christ's nature in our life. Bad habits conflict with who Christ wants you and I to be. The scripture calls those things spiritual strongholds. I mean, they get, a, they get a grip on your life and they keep you from God's best. They're also called addictions or they're also called, um, it's also called idolatry in our life. And these things become tombstones to us. In other words, these are, these are gonna keep us from God's best. Now, as I mentioned uh, just a second ago, the scripture has a lot to say about habits, much more than I ever realized that it did. In fact, let me show you in Romans chapter 12, verse two, it says, do not conform, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Now remember what I said a minute ago when we were talking about the definition of a habit? I said a habit is something that when you, when you repeat it enough times, it becomes a conscious uh, or an unconscious pattern. It becomes like second nature, an unconscious pattern. And so Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, to the habits of this world. But instead, he says, be transformed or changed, how? By the renewing of your mind. That's really, really important because what did we say? We said it's second nature to us. A habit becomes an an unconscious pattern. It's second nature. We don't even give it a thought. And so therefore, if we're trying to break an old habit and establish a new habit, then, then we have to renew our mind. We have to renew our mind from the old habit to a new habit or a new pattern that we're establishing. It says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Listen, guys, when you invited Jesus Christ to come into your life, the power of God broke sin's hold on you. Before you were saved, before you were Christian, sin had a grip on you, sin had a hold on you. And when you invited Christ into your life, he broke sin's hold. In other words, he gave you the power to say no to sin. And yet, yet I hear all the time Christians will say, but Steve, I've been a Christian now for three years. I've been a Christian now for five years and I feel like I'm stuck. I feel like I can't get any further in my spiritual growth. And the reason is, is because you haven't dealt with all these bad habits. You say, even though you now have the power to say no to sin, you've got all these bad habits that have been established over a lifetime, over years. And so before you can move forward, you've got to break the bad habits and establish good habits. Well, today we're gonna talk about the habit of anger. But I first think it's important to mention that anger is not always a bad thing. Listen to me, anger is not always a bad thing. In fact, anger is a God-given emotion. Listen, it's when it becomes a habit, or in other words, it becomes the way we automatically respond to things we don't like, that's when the problem begins. Anger is designed to help us deal with any threat that might come into our life. You see, anger becomes a problem when you lose control, when you lose control of your words or when you lose control of your actions. For instance, we know that Jesus got angry, right? Do you remember when he ran the money changers out of the temple? The merchants were were turning religion into a money-making scam and it angered him. And I think, to be honest though, I, I think there are many other things that make Jesus angry. Any kind of injustice angers God. I think it angers God to see an adult harm a child. 
And yet, even though Jesus got angry, the scriptures make it very clear that he never sinned. He never sinned. You see, the type of anger that Jesus demonstrated was more of a righteous indignation. He got angry at those who acted contrary to God's standard of right and wrong, of God's standard of fairness and justice and goodness. And this anger is more directed at the wrong that was done and not so much towards the person involved. In fact, it's this kind of anger that has produced great movements such as MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, their anger over the loss of their children motivated them to do something about it by starting one of the largest victim advocate groups in America today. On the other hand, anger is an emotion that many of us experience when things in our world are not going the way we want them to go. Maybe you've been, I don't know, maybe you've been working towards a promotion, but the promotion goes to someone else. It makes you so angry. You know, or, or you tell your kids to clean their room, but they ignore you. That makes you so mad. As I said, if anger becomes your immediate response every time you don't like something, well, then you've established a habit. You've established a habit of anger. And so now, all of a sudden, this, this emotional response has gone to a response that's habitual, and you just respond to every circumstance or situation in that way. And when you do that, listen, it has the potential to hurt your health, to wreck your peace of mind, to destroy your relationships, and honestly, to even threaten your career. I once heard a psychologist and author, Dr. Richard Dobbins, I had him come and speak to a, to a men's group. And as he was talking to these men, he said, gentlemen, there are basically three things that men struggle with. He said they struggle with, number one, sexual issues, Number two, anger issues. And number three, they lie about the first two. Guys, anger has become an epidemic in America. You see signs of our nation's irritability everywhere you go. I mean, come on, the polarization of the political system, the everyday nastiness of social media or the online world, and even as of late, the cancel culture, or worse yet, are the workplace or school shootings that we've seen. Guys, it's gotten so bad we're afraid to lock eyes with anyone in fear they might lose their cool and pull out a gun. And yet, violence in America is not random. Most violence in America is not random. The American SPCC says there's over four million child abuse cases reported annually. Think about that. And that's just the ones that are reported. Over four million child abuse cases reported each and every year. And many of those take place in the hands of angry, out-of-control parents. Friends, I think we all know this, but none of us are born with anger issues, right? We're not born with anger issues. It is learned behavior, which is why if you are a parent, you need to control your anger in front of your kids. Psychologists have called our generation the age of rage, it's become so common that we've created our own rage vocabulary. For instance, road rage. That's a term I know that you've heard or maybe even possibly experienced. Or maybe you've experienced checkout rage while waiting in a long line in a re retail store. Or maybe you've experienced phone rage after being put on hold for such a long period of time. 
or we even see it in recreational activities such as golf rage. Several years ago, uh, I was playing golf with a buddy and uh, he was having a bad day. And uh, finally, after one time, he hooked it so bad, lost his ball and he just lost it. He got angry and he took his club and he threw it into the pond. He jumped in his cart and he took off and we just kind of shrugged and uh, there were three of us and we got in the cart and followed. It took about two holes, but about two holes later, he calmed down and he just said, guys, I'll be back. And he drove the cart back to that pond and he waded into that murky water and he found his club. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29 says, people with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. Some of you might argue, some of you might argue that you cannot control your anger. And I would simply push back and say, listen, while you might not be able to control the situation, or you might not be able to control the way it makes you feel, you certainly can control how you express your anger. It reminds me of a, uh, a passion play. It was an outdoor passion play where an actor was playing the part of Jesus. And uh, as he would walk up this hill, he would carry the cross behind him, he was pulling it, and of course the actors were all along and there were people along the side watching this play and there was a heckler. And this heckler was going along and he was calling him names and swearing at him and, and just being very verbally abusive. And finally, this, this actor that was playing the role of Jesus got so angry that he puts down the cross and he goes over and he hits him in the face. He comes back, he picks up the cross and continues on. Well, at the end, the director came up to him and he said, what are you doing? I, he said, I know this guy was a pain, but my gosh, I can't, have, I can't have one of my actors going out and assaulting one of the spectators. He said, especially the one playing the part of Jesus. And he said, I'm so sorry, it'll never happen again. I promise you it'll never happen again. I just lost my cool, I lost my temper. So he said, all right, so the next day they're doing it again. The guy's walking up the same hill and here's the same heckler throwing out curses and, and just belittling him and on and on and going. And again, he's losing his cool. He's getting so angry that he finally does it again. He lays down his cross, he goes over and he punches the guy in the nose. He goes back, picks up the cross and on he goes. Afterwards, the director came up and said, I'm done, you're fired. I, I can't have Jesus hitting people. I just can't have that. And he said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, please. It'll never happen again. Don't fire me, I need this, I need this job and it'll never happen again. He said, all right. He said, we'll try it one more time, but I'm just telling you, if it happens again, we're not even gonna talk about it. You're done, just pack up your stuff and go away. And so he said, it won't happen again. So third day, here's the guy again, the heckler, and he's on his case. And he's calling him all kinds of things, and this guy is so angry. He's walking with his cross, he's clenching his fish, fist, he's grinding his teeth. I mean, he is upset. And the guy just is relentless. And then all of a sudden, the guy just stops. The guy playing Jesus just stops and he turns to this heckler and he points at him and he says, I'll meet you after the resurrection. <laughs> Listen guys, when we don't control our anger, we don't seem much like Jesus. You know, some, try, some people try to use anger to motivate people to action. You yell at your kids to motivate their behavior. You yell at the sales clerk to motivate them to help you. You yell at your employees to motivate them to work harder. And you know what? It works, at least in the short term. 
You can scare people into doing almost anything. But in the long run, listen to me, guys, in the long run, you're always going to lose because anger always alienates people. Think about it. When people are angry and shouting at you, does it draw you closer to them or does it push you away? I think we're, we're, people are all the same. When someone is in our face, when someone is angry with us, I mean, we draw back. We draw away. It doesn't draw us closer at all. It puts a wall up between us. If you're a parent and you're using anger to motivate your kids, you're actually pushing your kids away. Here you're trying to, to love on your kids, but you're building a wall between you and them. Listen, when your kids are young, moms and dads, they think you're a superhero. I mean, everybody else that knows you may think you're a bit quirky. They may think you're a little bit odd. Not your kids. They think you can do no wrong. Their spirits, when it comes to their moms and dads, their spirits are wide open. But if you continue, listen to me, if you continue to show anger towards them, their spirits slowly will close until there comes a point when you're trying to relate to your kids and love on your kids and they won't receive it at all because you have closed down their spirit. Paul recognized the danger of this when he, read, when he wrote and he warned us in Ephesians chapter six, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Listen to me, friends. If you struggle with the habit of anger, you may feel like there's nothing you can do but you have more control over your anger than you think you do. You can learn to express your emotions without losing control. So today, if I could, I wanna give you some steps that you can use to break this habit in your life. But guys, before I do that, please hear me on this. If you try these steps and they don't work and you're still struggling with this habit of anger, would you please seek personal help I'm as serious as I can be. Would you please seek out professional help from a Christian counselor, hopefully one that has some experience with anger issues? Because if you don't break this habit in your life, I'm just telling you, this is one of those habits that is so destructive to the people we love. It's so destructive to the relationships in your life that are important to your kids, to your spouse, whoever that's close to you. You're shutting down their spirit. So seek help. If this doesn't work, seek help. But I would encourage you to try these steps first because I really believe that these steps can help you break this habit of anger. We often try to excuse our behavior by blaming others for our anger. You, you've, you've said it before. You've, you've expressed it before. You know, it's those kids of mine that make me so angry. It's my coworkers that make me so mad. You know, if she wouldn't have said that, I wouldn't have lost my temper. Listen, before you can ever break this habit of anger, you have to take responsibility. You have to acknowledge it. You have to own it. You have to own that this is a problem for you, and so therefore I've got to deal with it. For me, I, you know, I, I think I've shared with you already, for me, it's all 12 of them in my book. There's 12 topics, and people say, how'd you come up with these topics? These are all habits that I've struggled with. Every one of them, I've acknowledged it, I've owned it, and I've taken steps, I have taken steps on every single one of them to break the habit in my life. So let me give you, as we talk about this, one of, this habit of anger, let me give you some steps that you can take to break this habit. Number one, identify the source of your anger. 
Identify the source of your anger. If you have a habit of losing control over every perceived injustice, you need to figure out what's really behind your anger. Does that make sense? You see, more than likely, anger is not the problem. As, as I talked about with my dad, I said there was something years earlier, some injustice, some painful thing in his life that had caused him to act out in anger. And that's true of most of us because anger is rarely the primary problem. In other words, it's usually, listen, it's usually the result of a much deeper problem such as what? Such as pride or hurt or insecurity or embarrassment. But once I understand what's behind my anger, well guys, then I'm more likely to resolve it. Then I'm more likely to deal with that specific problem. For instance, let's say it's physical or emotional pain. Physical or emotional, continuous physical or emotional pain can cause you anger, to respond or to act out in anger. When I was younger, I'll give you an example of my own life. When I was younger, in my early 30s actually, I went into a season of life where I had unexplained pain, joint pain and muscle pain. I went to all kinds of doctors trying to figure out what was causing the severity of this pain. Medication wasn't taking care of it. Uh, nobody was really sure. They finally, somebody diagnosed me with fibromyalgia, uh, you know, all, all kinds of different diagnosis. Some just said it was stress. I mean, there were all kinds of things, but I'm not talking about just sore muscles like after you've exercised. I, I'm talking about I went through several years of unexplained pain. And I found that when I hurt, I was more impatient with people and I was quick to lose my temper. When I was going through a, a difficult time, I was quick to lose my temper with my kids, I was quick to lose my temper with my wife and with my staff. Or let's say maybe someone hurt your feelings or broke your heart. Guys, these are all common causes for anger. I'm just saying that if you can identify the source of your anger, you're more likely to understand what you need to do to deal with it. And I, and I found that once people identify it, then they dive in and they start taking care of that issue. Number two, the second step, is learn to calm down before you react. Learn to calm down before you react. When you start to feel those emotions of anger rise up within you, and you know what I'm talking about, and they just seem to come up from your inner being and rise out, then take a few minutes to step away. Take a few minutes to collect your thoughts. And then I would encourage you, self-talk. I mean, self-talk can be so very effective. You know, asking yourself, is it really worth getting this upset over? Will my anger really solve anything? You know, Proverbs chapter 29 says, fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. In other words, think before you speak. Put your mind in gear before you put your mouth in motion. I once heard someone say, I've never regretted silence, but I've often regretted what I spoke. James chapter one, he writes, he says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. The reason I love this verse, and I, it's been one of my favorites for many years, the reason I love it so much is because we do the very opposite, don't we? You know, it's like, you must be quick to listen. We're slow to listen. We don't listen to people, do we? We're slow to listen instead of being quick to listen. And we're quick to speak and we're quick to get angry. And so James is trying to give us wisdom to say you need to do the opposite. 
You need to be quick to listen to what people have to say and slow to speak and slow to get angry. Number three, get some exercise. Get some exercise. You know, it really does help. I know know, that may seem silly when you're thinking about getting rid of anger or dealing with a habit of anger, but get some exercise when you feel that rising up within you. You know, take a walk, go to a gym, whatever you need to do to reduce your anger or stress level. Because experts tell us that exercise helps to increase the release of endorphins in your body that will do what? They have a calming effect. They'll reduce your level of stress. So get some exercise. Number four, let go of your anger correctly. Let go of your anger correctly. You know, there's a lot that could be said about this particular one, but just decide that you're not going to handle your anger in inappropriate ways. I mean, just draw a line in the sand and say, I've made up my mind. I'm not gonna handle my anger in inappropriate ways. For instance, don't repress your anger because your anger will always find a way to be expressed. In other words, specifically, don't use sarcasm. Some of you think you're pretty witty with your sarcasm, but it's actually coming from repressed anger. Some of you try to manipulate to get your own way. Others of you have a vindictive spirit. I don't get mad, I just get even. Listen, guys, whether you complain, blame, or criticize, people that are negative are usually trying to repress their anger. But anger will always find a way of release. By the way, did you know that there's another word for repressed anger? It's the word depression. Depression is actually frozen rage or repressed anger. That's what depression is. And yet, on the flip side, On the flip side, you can't just express your anger like in violent or abusive reactions or verbal abuse. You can't do that either. When you do, you leave burn marks on everyone that's in your path. One pastor, he said, we often act like a skunk. We spray our stinking temper on anyone that gets in our way. The fifth step, practice forgiveness. Practice forgiveness. Jesus, now think about this for just a minute. Jesus was unjustly beaten and mocked. They placed a crown of thorns on his head. They nailed his hands and feet to a wooden cross. Guys, if anyone had the right to be angry, it was Jesus. And yet, do you remember what he said? He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If you really want to get rid of your anger, you have to decide you're going to forgive the person who has done you wrong. I've heard it said that holding on to forgiveness is like drinking rat poison, hoping the rat will die. Colossians chapter three, it says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I mean, that's a responsibility. That's, so guys, the scripture is just telling us things that help us to break bad habits and create good habits in our life. And obviously, forgiveness is a good habit that we need to create, but that's another topic. And so it says, remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Lewis Smedes once said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that prisoner was you. That's good. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that prisoner was you. And yet forgiveness is a process, isn't it? And while it, while it takes time to let it go, to while it takes time to let go of this hurt or this thing that has angered us, you can forgive that one who has wronged you. You may, you may have to keep laying it down and letting it go day after day until finally you've 
released it completely, but you can forgive them. The sixth step, give your anger an expiration date. In Ephesians chapter four, Paul said, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't let the day pass by without taking care of this anger in your life, without resolving it. When you allow angry emotions to accumulate over time, like a pressure cooker, they will eventually explode in destructive and inappropriate ways. In inappropriate ways that will hurt the people you love, the people that you care about, and it'll leave you, listen, it'll leave you with all kinds of regrets. And then number seven, rely on God's control. Rely on God's control. Listen, if you really believe, guys, if you really believe that God has a plan for your life, you then will experience contentment and peace. In other words, if I really believe God's got my back, God loves me, and God's, God's got my back, he's still on the throne. When I really settle that issue, I begin to experience contentment and peace. So in other words, maybe you, maybe you bid on a new home and you didn't get it. So you wanna get angry, it frustrates you, and you wanna get upset, but then you realize, you know what? God has a plan for my life, and I may not fully understand what he's doing, but I trust him. And so therefore, there's just no reason for me to get angry. There's no reason for me to get upset. Anger is not something, guys, that you can prevent. But as long as it's not a habit, you can keep it under control. As long as it's not a habit, you can keep it under control. And as long as you keep it under control, then you will have more peace and healthier relationships. I'm gonna ask everybody right now, if you would, to bow your head. At every campus right now, if you would just bow your head for just a moment. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm gonna ask you a simple question. Nobody's looking around. This is just between you, me, and God. But how many of you would raise a hand and say, Steve, anger is a bad habit I need to break once and for all. I want you just to raise your hand and put it back down. It's important you acknowledge it. It's important that you own it. If anger is a bad habit in your life that you wanna break, I want you to raise your hand right now and then you can put it back down. Yeah, thank you. Let me pray for you. God, I just thank you and I praise you for your faithfulness in our lives. I thank you, God, that no matter what it is we're struggling with, no matter what our hurt or or, our habit or pattern is in our life, uh, we can bring it to you and you've promised to help us with that. Today, Lord, we make a decision. We, we draw a line in the sand to once and for all break this habit of anger. We own it. We acknowledge that it's a problem. And God, we're gonna take the necessary steps to break this pattern in our life. We've hurt people around us too much. But God, we need your help. We can't do this on our own. So I pray, God, that you'd give us the courage, that you'd give us the boldness to act and the strength to break this stronghold once and for all. Thank you, God. We love you and we praise you. We ask it all in the name of Jesus, amen.